A reading from the second letter of Timothy. For this reason, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is within you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. Do not be ashamed, then, of the testimony about our Lord, or of me, his prisoner. But join with me in suffering for the gospel, relying on the power of God, who saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. This grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. For this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher, and for this reason I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know the one in whom I have put my trust, and I am sure that he is able to guard until that day what I have entrusted to him. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to
A reading from the Gospel according to Matthew. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hidden. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one letter, not one stroke of a letter, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people.
Welcome to Trinity Cathedral, and we thank you, as always, for uh, sharing Wednesday evening with us uh, here uh, at Evensong. As, uh, as our former dean used to say, it's a lovely way to keep the appointment, and uh, that's, those words ring true, and I know we appreciate the chance to keep that appointment more than ever after having such a long hiatus uh, over the past year plus. So uh, it's wonderful to be here. Welcome uh, many of you St. Paul's folks, I, I see. And as always, it's a huge pleasure to have the wonderful choristers from St. Paul's Cleveland Heights. And we've had a, a long uh, habit of uh, these wonderful singers joining us for even song at least once a year here at Trinity. I always look forward to it. And uh, th that was true with your former wonderful director of this group, Dr. Rich Richard Nelson. And it holds true now uh, as we go from strength to strength uh, with Kelsey Ferguson taking over the helm. And uh, I have to admit, some of you know, but I have to share with you that Kelsey is my niece. So uh, I've known Kelsey since practically the day she was born. So it's very special uh, on all the above counts to have this crowd of folks here with us. And uh, we welcome, likewise, one of your magnificent clergy from St. Paul's, Reverend Brandon Ashcraft. And uh, Brandon has been the most good-natured person for the past hour in putting this uh, service together. And I suspect he's good-natured all the time. So uh, it's a great pleasure to uh, welcome Brandon uh, and uh, I turn over the lectern to you. Thank you, Todd. It is indeed a joy to be here this evening. And on behalf of St. Paul's, I want to thank the good people of Trinity Cathedral for inviting us to participate in this service of choral evensong. And I give particular thanks for Kelsey Ferguson and our youth choir for lifting their voices in song so beautifully tonight in praise and thanksgiving to God. We are all so grateful to be back in this sacred space. Today, the church celebrates the feast of St. Leo, Bishop of Rome. Now, it's quite possible that you've never heard of Leo. Unlike St. Francis of Assisi or the Blessed Virgin Mary, Leo's not exactly a household name, but I promise you he is a big deal nonetheless. Indeed, he's commonly referred to as Leo the Great, one of only three popes in the 2,000-year history of the church to bear this title. Leo served in the 5th century when the Roman Empire was in decline. He famously persuaded Attila the Hun to spare the city of Rome from destruction. More importantly for us, Leo was a zealous theologian who helped formulate essential points of Christian doctrine. If we were to open up our prayer books and flip all the way to the back to page 826, it would probably be the first time that that page had ever seen the light of day. But there, you would find a statement of faith that is the fruit of Leo's labor entitled, now pay attention because it's a long one, 
the definition of the union of the divine and human natures in the person of Jesus Christ. For short, it's referred to as the Chalcedon definition, taking its name from the Council of Chalcedon where it was ratified. Now I'm gonna read just a short passage from it now. Our Lord Jesus Christ, at once complete in Godhead and complete in manhood, truly God and truly man, recognized in two natures, without confusion, without change, without division, without separation, the characteristics of each nature being preserved and coming together to form one person. Now, if your eyes started glazing over just now, that's understandable. Fifth century doctrinal statements do not make for light reading. So allow me to paint the scene and put this important text into context. In Leo's day, the church was still working out how to talk about Jesus, how to describe who Jesus was, and how he accomplishes our salvation. More than 100 years earlier, the Council of Nicaea had established that Jesus was truly God, of one being with the Father, as we say in the Nicene Creed. But by Leo's time, the debates began to focus on other questions. Questions like, if Jesus were truly God, how could he also be truly man? How can one person be both God and man? Some of Leo's contemporaries argued that Jesus' divine nature overpowered his human nature and absorbed it. Others argued that Jesus was actually two distinct persons, one human and one divine. But Leo championed a different teaching, the one passed down to us, that the single person of Jesus Christ is fully human and fully divine. Jesus's two natures come together in a mysterious union and the distinct characteristics of both humanity and divinity are preserved in this one person. Now, I don't know about you, but when it comes to my faith, ideas only get me so far. It's not enough to wrap my mind around a theological concept. I need to have an experience of the heart to really understand it. I can accept, as the Chalcedon definition claims, that Jesus' human and divine natures come together without change, division, or separation. But I'm still left with an important question. Why does all this matter? And what does it mean for me? Here's one way to answer that question. When I was very young, I learned a piece of Bible trivia. The, that the shortest verse in the Bible, and I bet some of you here know it, at least in the King James Version, is two simple words, Jesus wept. We find this verse in the story about Jesus' friend Lazarus from the Gospel of John. And in this story, Jesus is deeply moved by the death of his friend Lazarus. And so, we are told, Jesus wept. 
But there is another layer to this simple statement. Because of Leo's doctrine, because we affirm Jesus' full divinity and full humanity, when we say Jesus weeps, we are saying something else very important. God weeps. Let that sink in for just a moment. The almighty God who created the heavens and the earth has cried real tears because Jesus shed real tears. Indeed, all of Jesus' human experiences, his hunger, his thirst, his suffering, and his death, these are experiences of God as well. Because he was fully human, Jesus could die for us on the cross. But because he was also fully divine, death could not keep him in its grip. The tomb could not hold him. And by rising from the dead, clothed in our human nature, Jesus forever changed our human destiny. As the Apostle Paul writes in his letter to the Romans, for since by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Because God humbled himself to take on our human nature, he has dignified it with his divine nature and granted us a share in immortality. Our destiny is now divine. So the feast we celebrate tonight invites us to marvel at this, the mystery of our redemption. God has redeemed us in Jesus Christ by uniting our nature with his own. He has imbued our humanity with the dignity and splendor of his divinity. Yes, Jesus knows firsthand the pain and anguish of our tears, and he promises us a future with him where tears will be no more. At a moment in our world when more than five million people have perished from this deadly pandemic and millions of tears have been shed, that is a hopeful promise indeed. Leo the Great was also a very gifted preacher so I am going to leave you with words from one of his most famous sermons, a sermon for Christmas Day. He says to us, Christian, remember your dignity. And now that you share in God's own nature, do not return by sin to your former base condition. Bear in mind who is your head and of whose body you are a member. Do not forget that you have been rescued from the power of darkness and brought into the light of God's kingdom. Amen.
as you are able, and let us say together a general thanksgiving at the top of page three. God of all mercies, we, your unworthy servants, give you humble thanks for all your goodness and loving kindness to us and to all whom you have made. We bless you for our creation, preservation, and all the blessings of this life, but above all, for your immeasurable love and the redemption of the world by our Lord Jesus Christ, for the means of grace and for the hope of glory. And we pray, give us such an awareness of your mercies, that with truly thankful hearts we may show forth your praise, not only with our lips, but in our lives, by giving up ourselves to your service, and by walking before you in holiness and righteousness all our days. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, to whom we you in the Holy Spirit, be honor and glory The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. <laughs>